If you would be so kind and join me in the Gospel of John, chapter 11. That's what we will be teaching this morning. Now, John chapter 11 is a very long chapter, and some of you may know it by just calling it chapter 11. Do you know what happens in that chapter? Oh, something happens in that chapter that has never happened before in history. It happened a couple of times before, you know, and God was involved, but in recent history it had not happened. And, and actually, it was the turning point. Jesus returning back to Martha and Mary's house. It was a turning point in his ministry. Because after this point, after this miracle of raising Lazarus from the death, this is when the officials of the Pharisees and the Sadducees in the temple of Jerusalem actually make a point, this is it. We got to get rid of this dude. We got to get rid of this guy. This is too much. But I'm going to, we're going to catch the story in verse what? Verse 38. Verse 38 through verse 44. And we will recap as we move forward in the story. So please join me in John chapter 11, verse 38. And it reads as follows. Jesus was still, was still angry as he arrived at the tomb. And a cave with a stone rolled across its entrance. Roll the stone away, he said. But Martha, the dead man's sister, protested, Lord, he has been dead for four days, and the smell will be terrible. Jesus responded, I didn't, didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you believe? So they rolled the stone aside. Then Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me, but I said it out loud for the sake of all these people standing here so that they will believe you sent me. Then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out. His hands and feet bound in graves clothes. His face wrapped in a head cloth. Jesus told them, unwrap him and let him go. This is the gospel of the Lord. Unwrap him, unbind him, loosen him, as other versions will say, and let him go. And let him go. We have begun this month a series. Where am I going? That's the wrong way. <laughs> a series 
about the mission of the church being our anniversary month, we want to recap and revisit the mission that God has given each one of us, not only as a congregation called Light of Hope, but also as individuals individually called to serve Jesus Christ. You see, expectations are fun. And as it says up there, expectation is what most likely is most likely to happen. Now, we have uh, two ladies in our congregation that we say the language that are expecting. One is Edwin, who is Edwin's wife, and she's expecting. And the other one is Courtney. Courtney is expecting. Now, what is Courtney expecting? A baby, hopefully. <laughs> Actually, uh, uh, she's, she goes to the doctor, and she's a very good, she's taking good prenatal care, for those of you who are wondering, very good prenatal care, and she has her pictures of her daughter. And she has a name already. We won't tell you. But the baby has a name, okay? So she's expecting a baby girl that has a name. Edwin... Edwin's wife, is also expecting, and she knows what she's having, but she ain't telling anyone. (laughs) Different approaches to the same experience, right? So expecting sometimes is good, and sometimes expecting is terrible, like what happened a few Mondays ago while I was on my way to Miami. You guys were expecting some ice and mixed wintry weather like they, like they like to call it here. You see? So sometimes expectations are good. Sometimes expectations are bad. But expectations are good in general because they tend to keep us a little bit alive. I've been going through all that. You see, Bringing it home very early in the message, God is expecting for you and I to embrace God's mission. Does that make sense? God is expecting for you and I to embrace God's mission. I was speaking downstairs in the class that God is working and that we are to be disciples and inspire function in such capacity that we touch other people's lives by us becoming more like Jesus and Jesus through us touching other people. Right? And when we talk about us doing and being a disciple, there is a surprise, you see. When we are following God's will and we are being a faithful disciple of Jesus Christ, and by the way, we discover downstairs that one of the characteristics that does not describe a follower of Jesus Christ is going to church. Coming to church is not a disciple activity. Coming to church is not a discipleship activity. Coming to church is like going to Burger King and you will never become a hamburger. Now, what we do in church, what we do when we pray, we sing, we teach, and we have fellowship, 
Those are behaviors of discipleship that we practice as we gather. But going to church is not a discipleship practice. What we do in church are discipleship practices. Notice the difference? So don't tell you're a good disciple because you go to church. Eh, failed. So adopting God's mission has an element of mystery to it. And that's what I was talking about. Adopting because, uh, you know, we come here and we have a bulletin. Do you have your bulletin? Let me see your bulletin. And in your bulletin, you have an order of worship. That order is a structure that facilitates your participation in the worship. It doesn't tell you what you have to do. It facilitates your participation, and that is their structure. But when we have a miracle happening, when we're expecting signs, do you expect miracles to happen when you come to church? No. Not typically. But that's part of it. Because being a disciple and doing the mission of God, you see, there's a secret here. And the secret is, are you listening? The secret is that God is ahead of us in the mission. So when we talk about joining God in what God is doing, that's precisely what it is. We're not inventing something new. We are joining God in what God is doing. And that is part of the uncertain that becomes certain. Okay? When we discover what God is doing. But the mission of God, and God is expecting for us to embrace God's mission. In April, I'm going to go deeper in that. But you know what? Jesus himself says in John 8, 32, If the Son sets you free, you are truly free. What is this freedom from? Any comments? What is this freedom from? Huh? Sin. Freedom from? What else? Bond. Huh? Exactly. All those things. And freedom to do what? So if you're free from, then you're free to. To love, to forgive, to accept, to teach, to guide, to inspire. So we are free in bringing freedom to others. Now, in this, our tendency is very differently. We have received an amazing gospel from God that is written in the gospels, in the Bible, and yet there's some mysterious elements about it, and that's okay. But our tendency has been to control, domesticate the gospel of Jesus Christ. Tell me that is true or not, people. We have to really come to grips with this. We really have to deal with this because the way that we understand the gospel and the way we live our life of discipleship, you know what it reflects? It reflects convenience, it reflects comfortability, and it reflects complacency. It in no way, shape, or form reflects the way of the discipleship that are in many parts of this country and in many parts of the world. It's true. Domesticating the gospel is telling Jesus and telling God that you can only talk to me from 10 o'clock to 11 o'clock if those are the hours of worship. That's what we're saying. When we domesticate the gospel, we're telling God, you will only talk and relate to me from, oh, in our case, from 11 to 12. 
We don't have that issue here because I've been going over the hour and I haven't had one complaint yet. And today I'm going to try to be to honor that, that gift that you have given me. But we domesticated by thinking that we're Christians by just going on Sunday to church and living our middle class lifestyle. We actually believe that being Christian is also if you assign to one political party or to the other. Come on. It's beyond all of that. What happened to this dude? Lazarus died. I mean, actually, uh, Martha and Mary had expectations. They knew Jesus was a miracle worker. And earlier in the story, they actually called on Jesus, who was somewhere else, to come and pray and touch Lazarus because Lazarus was sick. And Jesus says, "Uh aren't you going to go to your best friend's house? Uh, no. No. Okay. He says some other things. If you believe, you know, then you will see the glory of God. He's referring to the fact that something's going to happen there, but the other ones are not getting that part. They're just seeing the part that Mary and Martha, who are very good friends of Jesus, and they actually tell Jesus, you're very good friend. Kind of like an emotional manipulation, twist arm. Your very good friend is sick. So that Jesus would drop what he was doing and go run to Lazarus' side. And Jesus says no. Mary and Martha's expectations were dashed, were destroyed, were totally gone because their brother died. And they were expecting Jesus to come and raise him. I mean, to heal him, pardon me. And he did not show up when they were expecting Jesus. So Jesus decides to go over to Bethany, where they live. And this was a household that Jesus, accustomed to go to on his way to Jerusalem, he would park in their house and spend there a couple days and then go on into his ministry. He did this several times. That's why he was very well known in the village, and that's why everybody knew and that he was Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, BFF. Best friend forever, by the way. And Jesus didn't go. But then Jesus showed up. And they confront him. If you would have been here, my expectations would have not been shattered. Our text begins with the idea he was angry. Jesus was angry. What was Jesus angry at? at the fact of stolen lives, at the fact of broken hearts, at the fact of shattered expectations, unrealistic. But he told Mary, I told you that if you believe, notice, he did not say, if you believe in me, he says that later on, but if should you believe, you will see the glory of God. And angrily, Jesus got up and went to the tomb and said, open up that thing. Oh, it's going to stink. Open it up. And it was open, and Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out! And I love how the word just says it. And the dead man walked out. But Lazarus was bound. 
Lazarus was tied. Lazarus was almost like JJ. We didn't get to do JJ fully like a mummy, but he was totally tied up, bound up, unable to move, unable to have any experience with the world again. Many times we take this story of the resurrection of Lazarus and we link it to our life as disciples. Because when Lazarus comes out of the tomb, Jesus says two things to the disciples. Gives two orders. Unbind him, unwrap him, let him loose, and then let him go. When Jesus says, unbind him, it's because the man was bound, tied up, limited, totally limited. And his face was covered up. He couldn't see a thing. But now, when Jesus said to the disciples, unbind him, the disciples are going to do precisely what we're doing with JJ, and they began to take away the wrappings They kept the dead man dead and smelling raunchy. The first thing that they may have done is to take the wrapping from his eyes. And now Lazarus, as any other disciple, as you and I begin to, our Christian walk in Jesus Christ, began to see differently. We began to see the world differently. And that is our job as disciples. It is to unbind them out there, to take away the, what's keeping them blind. As the poem that Jim read over at, at Louis Cantrell's memorial, that their ears begin to have ears and their eyes begin to have eyes. So as we unbind disciples throughout our ministry and mission here at Light of Hope, we're going to help them see life differently. We're also going to help them to hear things that they have never heard before. They probably have a lot of ideas about God and the church. And when they come and experience the fellowship, the intentionality of pure fellowship and transparent relationships, unconditional acceptance and love, They're going to hear something different that the world doesn't offer. They're also going to be able, as we become involved and unbind our neighbors and unbind new friends, they're going to be able to smell things differently. Instead of being paranoid, because spiritually, smelling relates to the sense of discernment, of making decisions. So they will be able to make better decisions as you and I begin to unbind them. That's the mission we've been called to. Lazarus also, oh, when they took that wrapping of his mouth, not only could he taste, but now he could speak. And now he could speak the story that he experienced. To how many people you think Lazarus shared the story? I was dead and I'm alive now. You know how many people went to listen to that story? A lot. It just didn't happen all the time. And he lived there. Actually, there are stories of Jesus, and, and, and he was so well known that actually uh, he's at Lazarus' house, the guy that he rose. So he was a reference about Jesus and Lazarus. They know each other. That's our call. 
to unbind our neighbors, unbind those who are going to come to Light of Hope, even unbind each other so that we can see with the eyes of Jesus, so that we can hear one another with a compassion, forgiveness, and grace that Jesus listens to us, that we can smell one another and discern true love and sincerity, that we can taste the peace in your life and the peace of Christ in my life and in all of us. And that when we speak to one another and to our neighbors, that we speak the words of love, the words of compassion, words of forgiveness, words of building up and not tearing down, words of bringing together and not dividing anymore. That is the mission that we've been called to. For the creation, says Romans, Paul in Romans, waits in eager expectation for what? For Jesus to come back? Sometimes we read that text and we say, oh yeah, creation is waiting for Jesus to come back. Look what it says. Are you a children of God? Are you a child of God? Then it is us who we are to reveal the new kingdom of God to this world. This is not talking about Jesus coming back. It's talking about our mission. So the entire creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed, to be exposed, to walk out of these doors and not hide in here as Christians and live something else out there. Ah, we're weak. So what? We've talked about praying for the three triple O eight zip code. Got it right. Nine thousand households. Guesstimating three, thirty thousand, forty thousand people. Oh, there are others around us just south of here, because we're in that corner of the zip code. But this is what God is calling us to. Now, right now, let us pray. Let us know that we are to unbind our neighbors. And let us do that right now. I'm going to ask you to bow your head, close your eyes, and let us pray for this area. And as I finish one of the statements, I'm going to lead you into hear us, O Lord. And you repeat with me, hear us, O Lord. Our heavenly and mighty God, ruler of everything, creator of everything, sustainer of everything through Jesus Christ our Lord. We come before you realizing the call you're making is difficult to some of us. For some are tired. And that's okay. But you've called us, O oh God, to, to pray for this area. And we ask your spirit of blessing over the 3008 zip code. Hear us, O oh Lord. We pray, O oh God, for your spirit to cover the schools in that area. Hear us, O oh Lord. We pray, O oh God, for your spirit to touch the businesses in this area. Hear us, O oh Lord. We pray, O oh God, for your spirit to touch the government workers in this area. Hear us, O oh Lord. We pray, O oh God, for your spirit to take away evil from this area. Hear us, O oh Lord. 
We pray, O oh God, for your spirit to convict of sin. Hear us, O oh Lord. We pray, O oh God, for your spirit to bring them from the north to our area. Hear us, O oh Lord. And we pray, O oh God, that we will be Jesus to this community. Hear us, O oh God. And we ask this thing through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who is the ruler, head of the church. Amen.